imposing grandeur, the quality or state of being impressive or awesome. The purpose of studying theology and reading books, it's it's not to gain our own intellect, but rather it is to bring us to Him. Because when you see how glorious and how holy and how majestic our Creator is, the more you worship Him. He is our imposing grandeur. Welcome to Imposing Grandeur. I'm Annie, and I'm here with Alexa and Avery. How are you guys doing today? Doing pretty good. Doing good. What, are, what were y'all up to today? Well, Annie, let me tell you. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I feel really efficient with this microphone in front of me. Um, well, actually, I got something really cool today, and I want to tell you guys about it. It's actually, they're paying me to advertise this. So, no, I'm just kidding. They're definitely not. They're definitely not. Um, I got an AeroPress today. So, yes. Yes, I have one. They're awesome. Wait, do you have the one that you push down? Mm Mm-hmm. The pressurized one? Yeah, Jack had it in Afghanistan. That is so, okay, because I've heard that people have used it for traveling. Yeah. But yeah, it was so great for him I with am, a hand grinder. Yes, I am so excited to use it because I had an espresso maker. Well, I had a mocha pot. And for anyone listening that doesn't know, we all really love coffee. So you might want to, yeah. like, this is just a norm, like, talking about coffee. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> yeah, but I had a mocha pot, and I was using that for espresso, and I would make lattes at home. And then my brother accidentally left it on the stove when there was nothing <laughs> in it, and he burned it. So... Uh, the mel- plastic melted and everything, but we ended up just getting an AeroPress today because apparently it can make espresso, coffee, like regular coffee. You can make a concentrate and then make a, an Americano after that. So like, I'm really pumped to like experiment with the different ratios. And I also ordered, cause apparently this is really like a necess- necessity for coffee, but like a scale to measure the grams of coffee beans and the water yeah i i have never used a scale to make coffee but i'm pretty pumped about that but anyway that is what i did today. that's awesome oh very nice so did you not get your second mocha pot i did not it was supposed to come in the mail last monday after a month of it being shipped and then it still didn't come no it got delayed five more days and then we just requested a refund so that's so sad. Yeah, but it's okay. I think the Lord really just wanted us to get an AeroPress instead. <laughs> so we'll <laughs> see, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I hope you enjoy it. Jack loved it, and I have really enjoyed it too. So I'm sure you will. Yeah, I'm excited to experiment with it. But Avery, how was your day? What'd you do? Um, today I just got stuff done around the house. Watched church online since North Carolina has not picked back up church yet. Um, since COVID. Um, and yeah, just, it was really hot today. So stayed inside a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Tried to stay out, out of the heat cause it's so hot here, but, um, nothing too crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh, Annie, what'd you do? Uh, well, we had our first church service back today, like in person. That was really mm-hmm. awesome and fun. Uh, it was good to see everybody and the sermon was awesome, but, mm-hmm. Other than that, I babysat 
for my friend and just hung out and played with the dog that we talked about last time. Eugene. <laughs> yes, Mr. Eugene, the little bite monster. Mud. <laughs> How are the bags under your eyes today? Much better. <laughs> I, uh, I've adapted to getting up at a reasonable hour in the morning. So. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> needed. Exactly. Well, you know what else is needed? What? <laughs> Tell me, Annie. Tell me. God's justice, which Amen. is our topic today. <laughs> That is the smoothest, that is debatably the smoothest transition I've ever heard in my entire life. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but no, so today's topic is uh, another characteristic of God, which is his justice. And um, I think what better way to start off an episode with defining what we mean. So what do we mean when we say justice? What is God's justice? Annie, I think you want to answer this. Go ahead, Annie. <laughs> okay. Well, I will lead us off then. I have two what does definitions. It mean in this? Yeah, I was like, she has definitions. She doesn't <laughs> I bet you have the Hebrew and Greek definition, don't you? No. Well, Wayne Grudem's systematic theology. He describes, uh, first of all, in the Greek and Hebrew, so I will bring up some Greek and Hebrew, the words justice and righteousness uh, mean the same, like they both mean each other. But Wayne Grudem defines it as God's righteousness means that God always acts in accordance with what is right and is himself the final standard of what is right. So to take that uh, to a more like worldly definition, I looked at Webster, the famous dictionary, uh, and Webster defines the word just as ba- behavior based upon or behaving in accordance to what is morally right and fair. So God is just, which means God is the author in the standard of truth in what is right and wrong. So God cannot act in uh, not accordance with those things. So for him to be just means he is acting in accordance with what is right and true. So now that we've defined what we're talking about when we mean justice or righteousness, um, how, how does justice play a role in the gospel? Is justice a part of the gospel? Yes, it very much so is. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i will gladly explain this um so something actually really interesting that i was looking at when i was studying for this podcast episode specifically was proverbs 17 verse 15 and so in that verse like annie said god being just it's all about right versus wrong and so we see in this verse it says He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. And so this is a problem for us. So going right back to the gospel, we are guilty sinners. And so this raises the question, how can Christ forgive us without being an abomination to himself? Because this Mm -hmm. verse right here says that he who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. So how can he do, how can he, how can he say that we're innocent without being an abomination to himself? 
And so this sets up that tension that we see all throughout scripture. There's that tension of he cannot compensate his holiness because he's holy and he's just. So what does he do? How can he say to guilty sinners that we're innocent? Which leads to another characteristic of God. So we're talking about how he's just, but last week we talked about how he is gracious. And so it's mm. cool how we're, we're studying these two characteristics back to back because in Titus 2.11, it says, for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people. And then continuing on in verses 12 through 14, it says, training us. So grace, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of the great God and savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself, a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. And so this is the whole essence of the gospel. We see that God is just, there's a standard. His standard is perfection. Mm-hmm. We as sinners do not meet that standard. And so that is the whole reason why Christ had to come and live a perfect life to fulfill that. And so God isn't compensating his holiness by forgiving us because we have that substitutionary atonement found in Christ Jesus if we have mm-hmm. placed our faith and trust in him. Yeah, and going back to um, just your point about the difference between grace and justice, I think it's easy to, um, it can be easy when you don't know the definition of both and how they both work and God's, um, just how all his characteristics work together. And I found a really cool quote by R.C. Sproul, and he says, the essence of grace is that God is not required to give it to us. If you ever feel like God owes it to you, let a light go off in your mind that reminds you that you have just mixed up grace and justice. The hand of God holds us over the pit of hell, and you can't give any reason for God to not drop you into that pit. That was Jesus's message when he said that unless you repent, it will be your blood mingled with the sacrifice. Mm. If on the day of judgment, I look at Jesus and he says to me, I don't know who you are, please leave. If that happens to me, R.C. Sproul is saying, I'll be surprised, but I also know this. I would have no ground for complaining about it. He is holy and I am not. Our only relationship with God is by grace. Mm. Right. Yeah, I I love that quote. Um, And and to piggyback off that, in 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I was thinking a lot about this this almost dual nature of justice, how justice can mean God's pouring of his wrath upon an unrepentant sinner. But Mm. justice also applies because God to the repentant sinner, because God is just, which is truth and what is right. And God says in his word that if you repent of your sins and believe in the gospel, you will have eternity with him. So and God is not a liar. God would that would be wrong. That would be sinful. So if God is just he has to keep his word that we will be spend eternity with him if we believe in the gospel. And um, it's just the whole, I was just thinking about how like, it's maybe not necessarily dual in nature, but how justice applies to everyone, that God is just, not just to one group of people. Yeah, I think something also, I mean, going off what you were just saying, It says in scripture that God will judge all people, both believers and non-believers. 
And Paul says in Romans 14, 10, he says, why do you pass judgment on your brother or wh- or you? Why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. And then again, in 2 Corinthians 5, 10, he says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And so there's two different kinds of judgments that we're going to see in the end times. We're going to see the judgment for believers, which is the judgment seat of Christ, and then the judgment for unbelievers, which is the great white throne. And there are differences which uh, there are differences between both of these, and there are different things that make up both of them. Yeah, I totally agree with that, which uh, is a great segue into our one of our next questions, which is uh, two parts. Should Christians be scared of God's justice and should non-Christians be scared of God's justice? Mm-hmm. And to start us off, I wanted to look at First Peter 4, specifically, this is uh, 3 through 5 and then later on in the chapter, but he says, For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. And then later on in that chapter, in verse 17 and 18, Peter continues talking about suffering, uh, saying, For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, talking about Christians, what will the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God be? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So um, with that in mind, let's kick off this question of should Christians and non-Christians be scared of God's justice? Yeah, so... I think that's a great question and something that we often really don't hear talked about at all. Um, But like I alluded to earlier, so there are the two different judgments that are going to be happening. So believers, it's the judgment seat of Christ. And then for the unbelievers, it's a great white throne judgment. And I think it was John Piper who said um, in one of his sermons that at the end, in the end, sin is always, always, always going to be dealt with because God is a holy God and nothing goes unseen from him. So it's either going to be dealt with by the individual thrown in the lake of fire, or it's going to be dealt with through Jesus Christ's sacrifice. And so for the believer, this judgment is not so much about your sin because Christ has taken that punishment and has forgiven that that believer. And so they are not punished for their sin because they have Jesus Christ as an advocate, but it's rather about faithfulness to the will of God. And so it results in reward and honor. So we see Paul writing about the crown of righteousness in 2 Timothy 4.8. Um, and we have this hope, as it says in Romans 15.13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we have this hope because... It says he himself bore our sins in his body on that cross so we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. And that's in Isaiah. And so as believers, we don't need to fear the judgment seat of Christ, but we can abound in hope if you truly are a regenerate Christian, if you truly are a follower of Christ. And there is a distinction between followers and unbelievers. Like Avery said, there is a reason why there is a verse in scripture where God says, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I never knew you. Um, and then likewise for the unbelievers, 
they get the great white throne judgment and they will be judged for what they have done. If they have not accepted Jesus Christ as their savior, they will be looked at for what they have done. And in scripture, it says the wages of sin is death. And they will, those whose names are not written in the book of life, they will experience the same judgment that Satan and his minions experience. In Revelation 20, verse 14 through 15, it says, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, and anyone whose name was not written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. And so this is serious. So to answer that question, as believers, we have abounding hope, as it says in Romans 15, 13, that we have an advocate, Jesus Christ, who when God looks at me, he sees him being spotless, Jesus Christ, who came, died, lived a perfect life. But for unbelievers, when at the end times, they're going to be looked at for their sin. And that sin condemns them to hell. Yeah. Yeah. And I would agree with that. As Christians, Romans 8, 1 says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is hope. There's peace in Christ. So, no, I would say the Christian does not need to be scared of God's justice. Um, but arguably the non-Christian should be. And Isaiah 63, six says God talking about, uh, unrepentant sinners. I trampled down the peoples in my anger. I made them drunk in my wrath. I poured out their blood on the earth. Mm. I mean, it doesn't get any more graphic than that. I really, and yet God is, this is the S one of the essence part of the essence of his character is his justice. And he is, this is right. And this is pure. And this is uh, wonderful that God has justice and that he's offered us this free gift of grace that we talked about last week so that we don't have to fear condemnation or the final judgment seat, like you were saying, Alexa. Right. Um, I think too, like, and also to y'all's point of like, we of course as believers have confidence and the grace we have received from Christ. But also I think understanding rightly God's wrath that should be poured out on us helps us have a healthy fear of the Lord, which is so important in our relationship with God, because it's so easy to want to take um, this kind of, I guess, sideline view of only God's grace and love and not remembering on your walk as a believer that God is also a just judge and he has to weigh our wretchedness to his holiness. Mm. And that should, you know, bring us to a place where we should be mourning our sin and remembering that we should always be coming to the Lord in repentance, asking for forgiveness of sin that we are in because, you know, we deserve death ultimately. And even though we are in this place of having Jesus's um, holiness and righteousness covering us because of his sacrifice. Um, we still have this old life and this old, um, you know, self that we have naturally always on this earth will want to go back to. And so I think understanding God's justice, although it may be scary and it's easy to be like, oh, I'm a Christian now, so I don't I don't really have to like think about that. I can just like kind of sweep it under the rug. Um, but really, it's it's the beginning of understanding rightly who God is and understanding just how precious that gift of grace is. And it is extremely important to continue to ponder even after you become a believer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was, I mean, in scripture, it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And that's the whole idea of work your salvation, live your life knowing that you 
are housing the Holy Spirit inside of you. Like what you're exposing yourself to, you're exposing the Holy Spirit to. And how you treat others, you're representing Christ. And earlier when I was reading Titus 2.11, talking about the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, it goes into verses 12 through 14. What is the effect of that? And what the effect is, is that it is training us to renounce all ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. And so it's not so much, oh, I'm a believer. I'm saved from judgment. I have salvation. It's it's there is justification, meaning you are justified by faith alone in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone, going through all the solos. But there's also <laughs> sanctification, meaning that you live your life being sanctified in that truth, daily learning how to renounce ungodliness through the power of the Holy Spirit, renouncing worldly passions, and living self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Mm, yeah. I, yeah, that's great. And which is a great segue to our next question, which is, um, if God is just, why is there injustice in the world? And, uh, Psalms 89, 14 says righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. So with that being said, I think, um, when I was reading this question, a good story in the Bible that came to my mind is in Genesis 18 and 19 and Sodom and Gomorrah. Most people are fairly familiar with this story. If you're not, um, definitely read it for yourself. Um, but it's this, it really, to me, paints this picture of how God is just, but there's injustice and, but also God's mercy and grace, because you see God he uh, says, like, I've heard the outcry of my people against this city. I've seen the sin that is in this city, and I will destroy it. And you see Abraham pleading with God, saying, Lord, please, if there's even X many righteous people, will you spare the city? And God says, yes, I will. So you see there God prolonging his justice and wrath being poured out upon these people. And then this dialogue between Abraham and God happens I think two or three more times and Abraham lowers the number each time. Lord, if there's even this many people that are righteous, will you spare the city? And God says, yes, yes, yes. And then when God does not find that many righteous in the city, he still spares Abraham's family. He has mercy upon them before he rains down fire or his wrath and his justice upon this ungodly city. And so hmm. I just thought that was such a clear picture of how God can still be just, but he is long suffering. He is patient. He is abounding in love and mercy towards his children, but also on the unrepentant sinner. And uh, that's not to be taken for granted. That shows you that the Lord does have a limit to his steadfast love and to his patience. There is coming a time where his wrath will be poured out upon you. And now is the time to repent. But Mm. Um, so yeah, if God yeah. is just, why is there injustice? Well, I think anyone who has lived on this earth for any amount of time, uh, can attest that there is injustice. Like you were saying, Annie, there's human trafficking, crime, racism, even just the world mocking and rejecting the Bible alone. That is an injustice. And 
we have this question of when will it end? You know, like, God, are, have you forgotten us? I mean, all throughout the Old Testament, you can you can hear the prophets hinting towards how long, O Lord, how long? David says it in the Psalms. But there's also this plea to wait for the Lord. Um, in Isaiah 30, verse 18, it says, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you, therefore he will rise up to to show you compassion for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. And then in Psalm 37, 27 through 29, it says, it's this plea to turn from evil and do good for the Lord loves justice and he will never abandon the godly. And so, yes, there is injustice. But I think if there's one thing that anyone should take from this episode is that justice will prevail. And like we were saying, in the end times, no sin is going to go like under the rug. Everything is going to be like, I believe it's Hebrews. It says everything is naked and exposed to the sight of him and whom we should give an account to. Mm -hmm. So God sees all. He is not standing idly by. There will be an end times in Acts 17, 31, just throwing out all these scriptures because the Bible is saturated in them. It says he has set a day where he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. And so that whole, for he has set a day that he will judge, he's singling out. There will be a day that God will judge. And then judge, meaning he's going to give an account. He's going to render and give a decision about every human action and motive. And we see this this day of the Lord appearing both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. We see in Psalm 98.9, Isaiah 2.12, Joel 2.1, Obadiah 1.15, and then the New Testament, Matthew 24.30, Romans 2.5, Revelation 20.11. So if you want to go back and maybe pause the episode or rewind it and then open your Bible and see for yourself, there is this day of the Lord coming. And so although we're living in a world where injustice is saturated into it, we are called to, as believers, to have that comfort of knowing that God is righteous and nothing is going to escape his sight. Yeah, I think that's so true. And just a reminder that um, all things, good, bad, ugly, horrific, are all ordained, guided, governed by the creator and sustainer of the universe. Like knowing that um, even though there is evil, there is sin, there's so much injustice, chaos, just heartbreaking things everywhere as believers we know also that God is over all things. He sees all things. He is our God. He's our Elroy, the God who sees. Like He sees us in these sufferings, these va- these valleys, these hard things that we're dealing with daily. And um, I just think that it's so easy to feel, especially when watching sin unfold, especially with just how year 2020 has been thus far it's easy to think that like, oh, this is all out of control. Like, where's God? Where's his justice and wrath on this sin that is everywhere and present? And we also have to remember that God is purposeful in all that he allows. Mm -hmm. And just like in scripture, where we see Job and how he lost so much and how it's so easy to look at him and be like, Job was an awesome dude. Like, why did God allow that to happen to him? And to know and realize that even when we are in suffering, we are, we feel like sin is just saturating in our lives, or we feel like we're affected by so many things. God is still guiding and governing over all of that sin. And um, it is, it isn't out of control when God is reigning. Um, And that's just been a huge comfort to me when just thinking about 
just the other's world and how much I long for heaven mm. when I, I know that one day this will all end. And I know that one day we won't have to deal with this, but knowing that we can look forward to that and eternity with God where um, sin is no more, like that is just exciting and um, such a gift to be able to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen to all of that. That was really yeah. good. Um, and it made me think of the story of Joseph, how what man intends for evil, God can use for good and how God mm-hmm is so powerful that he can use the worst injustices in this world for great good. I mean, look at the gospel. That was a per- the only perfect man to ever live this life. Right. And he was murdered on a criminal's cross, but God used it as a path to save sinners to himself. And mm-hmm. so it's, right. even though there are, there absolutely is injustice occurring. God will God always can use it to glorify himself and to use it for his good or for our good and his glory. And Mm. um, yeah, that's just the God we serve. Right. And maybe, I mean, maybe you're listening to this podcast, whoever you are, um, and you're a recipient of injustice and maybe it's crime, maybe racism or anything else. Um, I just want to let you know, and I'm sure we all mean this when I say this, God sees that and he cares about that. So while we're talking about this, like no sin is going to go under the rug, you can have confidence that that will be dealt with in the end. And so encouraging you, God sees, he cares. Um, maybe you are the one who has been, have been unjust. Maybe you're listening to this and you're like, wow, I have really screwed up. And honestly, in the end, we all have. Um, and so I just want to tell you, if you're listening to this, your sins have been paid for. Like we were talking about, like God has dealt with sin through his son on the cross, like Annie was saying, on the criminal's cross, that has been paid for. And so if you're listening to this and you have not placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you have not surrendered your life unto him, you need to repent and believe now because Mm -hmm. there will be a day when everything that you have done will be judged. And if you are not placing your faith and trust in the sacrifice that Jesus made for you on the cross, you will be held accountable for everything that you have done and you will be served the same judgment that Satan and his minions have been are have been um said to serve in the end times. We know how the end is going to happen. We have the ending chapter. We know what's going to happen. Um but if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Christ like we were saying, we can look forward to the day that God will judge the world. It's not a scary day to us. We have abounding hope. Like Avery was saying, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, that Aramaic phrase. Um, we long for the day for Christ to come back. We long for that. We long for no sin in the world. We long for that sense of justice because we as followers of Christ hate injustice because it goes directly against what our fa- what our father stands for. And um, yeah, I think Alexa, going off to what you just said is, God executes justice for so many people. And you might be in a place that um, you feel like you need an advocate or you feel alone in your sin, your suffering. And I know in Deuteronomy 10, 18, it says he executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. He loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Like the Lord longs to provide for us those that are in Christ. And if you feel alone or you feel like you were saying, Alexa, that you have had injustice done to you that maybe no one sees and you feel like you're never going to see that justice be served in this earth, whatever it is and whatever has been done to you, 
we know that even though God is a just God, he also is gracious and loving. And we can come to him as his child in brokenness and lay that before him in prayer and just be like, God, this is, this is, I have been broken by this person or this situation, or I just really need you to advocate for me and, and be with me in this pain. And God will be, he is a God that does not forsake us. And he loves his children. He knows every inch of your suffering and your pain. And he is a gracious father that is able to understand because Jesus has taken on that sin and suffering on the cross that we, you know, deserved. Um, He's able to understand and able to um, be compassionate towards us because he did experience that. And so um, even though we should understand and know and fear God because of the justice or the way that he is just and he is a just God, we also should be led into worship, knowing that he also is our comforter. He also is gracious. He also is loving. Um, And we should be able to come to him because of our healthy fear of God in our suffering, in our sin, asking for forgiveness, repentance, um, because he also is a loving father that goes hand in hand. And that's what makes him so incredible is he is able to have all of these characteristics that work together and he is able to be all of them when we are not and um so intricate and beautiful and um we're able to trust and know that his promises are true and he will be present in that darkness even when we feel like maybe human beings here on this earth are not present with us in that yeah avery i love that point where you said like uh essentially God is capable. It's the only one capable of being all these characteristics at once. And sometimes it's hard for our human minds to understand that when no human is going to mirror that even closely. But um, does anybody else have any points that they wanted to discuss before we transition to our final segment? I have a song recommendation uh this could be a new feature in the podcast alexa's music (laughs) yes (laughs) hear it it. are you gonna sing it for us i am let me just warm up a little ready (laughs) (laughs) just kidding (laughs) so this song is called i've been on an andrew peterson kick uh recently uh yes andrew peterson and jess ray are like I don't know. It's like, okay, okay, I'll say it. They're like chicken noodle soup, like for my soul. You know, like their (laughs) songs. It's just like I listen to that and all their lyrics are just so full of truth and just promises of God. And so anyway, uh, Andrew Peterson has a song called Rise Up. And it is basically the concept that we're all talking about, which is God is just. um, And there will be a day where we will rise up in the end. So if we have been faced with injustice, God is going to deliver us from that. But specifically, I believe it's verse two, the end of verse two um, or the beginning. I forget, honestly, but it starts off with saying, if a thief had come to plunder when the children were alone, if he ravaged every daughter and murdered every son, would not the father see this? Would not his anger burn? Would he not repay the tyrant in the day of his return? Await, await the day of his return because he will rise up in the end. And like, Man, when I sing that song, because I love playing that song on the piano, but when I sing that, specifically that verse, I think of all the martyrs, you know, like across the world. And like Mm -hmm. that to me is like these people are going to share the good news of Christ 
and this spiritual warf- warfare between the enemy and God's people and how they just kill our brothers and sisters in Christ, um, how they're just dying for the sake of the gospel. But when I sing that verse, I just think about how God is not standing idly by when things like that are happening, both with mm-hmm. martyrs being mm-hmm. killed or even injustice happening in the States. He is not standing idly by. He remembers the actions of every person and he is aware and he will rise up in the end, you know, and not to say that he's not going to do anything now, because like Annie was saying, like what the enemy has made for evil, God is and is daily turning for good. You know, like he is actively involved in our life. But in the end, we know how it's going to end. We have the book of Revelation. We are going to be victorious. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And so Amen. I just love that song. So yeah. look it up. I think of, I know, I I need to add that to my playlist. I also think of that verse, like, oh, death, where is your sting? Like, we, d- death doesn't have a final sting in our lives because like you said, in the end, the Lord will rise up and that's just incredible and mm-hmm. such a hope that should transform every part of our lives, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. All right. Well, if any of y'all don't have anything else to add, we can move on to our final segment. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Well, we are here again with another IG hot seat. For those of you who don't remember, IG stands for imposing grandeur. I would hope you had picked up on that by now. But um, all right. So I have the honor of asking this week's question to I'm Alexa so and Avery. Curious. Very curious, Annie. I've been thinking about this all day. Okay, well, no, I'm just kidding. Maybe we <laughs> dial back those expectations. <laughs> All right. So, Hit the me. question is if this is really truly a basic question. I just I'm not I'm not <laughs> impressed with myself, but you you googled you could, clever questions on Google earlier, didn't you? I actually googled fun interview questions. So, Wow. <laughs> it's some research. <laughs> All right. So if you could go- be present for any historical event, what would it be and why? Bam. Already have my answer. Go I know why? what say. What? Guess. No, I want to hear what you say first. It's no, going to be the most Christianese answer, I bet. Okay. Well, <laughs> I love the Lord. Sue me. <laughs> 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 but what what do you think I'm going to say? I don't know, some, like the resurrection or no, something like that. But that would be cool. I was just thinking about that. So I actually Googled because I knew Annie was going to Google clever interview questions. So I Googled them too <laughs> and came up with an answer for every single question. No, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> what What time do you have (laughs) no i am completely and utterly joking but the thing that i would love to view i have two answers but i guess i'll only do one can i do two sure why not okay so the first one i'll make it quick first one i would love to be present during the transfiguration so yes it is a bible story but how dope would that be like (laughs) i just i just think about i honestly think about that quite often um But the second one would be to witness the scene of the woman caught in adultery. And I'll tell you why. Because 
it is such a beautiful picture of one, God's love for sinners, but also there's so much mystery within that moment. Like as he's saying, whoever is without sin casts the first stone. And then he goes to write something in the sand. I want to know what he wrote in the sand. First of all, that would be Mm, so cool. I know. (laughs) And then also I like can just picture it in my head, him lifting her up like by her chin while she's sobbing, like gross, like snot coming out of her nose, dirt everywhere. Like he's lifting her up so gently by her chin. And he's saying, who condemns you? And she says, no one, Lord. And he says, neither do I go and sin no more. And like, woo, how beautiful. Like, I just, yeah, yeah, like I just, I, and honestly, I, I think about that one quite often as well, but to witness such compassion and mercy and love, Mm. like, Wow, that gives me chills to just think about. So that story just makes me so in awe of God's character. Like, here is this woman who people have brought to him, knowing in their hearts that this man who's a righteous man is going to totally, like, punish her and stone her. Like, And how humiliated that girl must have felt in front of this man who has been known to do miracles and be a great teacher. And yet, mm-hmm. he is like, ugh, it just the compassion and love and how like to see everybody cast, like drop their stones from the oldest to the youngest Mm. and like walk away. Like that is incredible to me, but I want to know your all's answers. Yeah. I love that, Alexa. What about you, Avery? That's really cool. I love that. Um, I think, I mean, there's so many I'd want to be present for after watching chosen too. I think, just being able, if y'all haven't watched The Chosen, it's really good. Just being able to like visualize as someone who loves visuals, um, just visualizing. I know, I know they embellish a lot. And so not everything is, you know, exactly as it would have been, but just imagining like the woman at the well, I think would be Mm. incredible to be the woman at the well, just to feel so known by the Lord when he met her there. Um, I think that would be so cool. But one that, that kind of is sticking out to me right now is I think I would have loved to be able to see Paul become a believer. I just think that radical change mm-hmm. would have been so cool. Like whether I was Paul's family member or a friend, I would have just loved to see that like 180 transformation in his life. I think that would have been like such a testament to the Lord just drawing him close and in the Lord's grace in his life after the way he murdered Christians and tortured them and tormented them. And then to see Paul's ministry explode after that. And so many people come to Christ as a result. I just think that would be really cool to just experience firsthand. Yeah. Wow. I like that. Um, well, I also have two answers. I have <laughs> a secular one and a Christian one. Um, I, bet, I bet I could guess your secular one. Guess. Uh, Elvis. <laughs> Justin Bieber concert in 2008. I'm just kidding. I am a believer. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm really not. Uh, maybe in sixth grade. But okay, well, my secular one actually is Elvis. I would, oh, uh, I know. Good job, Avery. I would wow. love to see his Aloha from Hawaii concert. It's legendary. <laughs> or or the 68 comeback special. If you haven't seen it, YouTube it. It's awesome. And my, so my Christian one, 
this might change from time to time, but my church is going through Daniel and this passage, like, I don't know why it just gives me chills when uh, I think it's Belshazzar is like throwing this disgusting party where he's using uh, items from the temple in his, I mean, it was an orgy. He's using these things to get these things from God's sacred temple to get drunk with. And he's just so disrespectful. And then the hand just appears and starts Mm. writing on the wall. Like it gives me chills. And then everybody, the room's just silent and Mm. everybody's wondering what is going on. And then they bring Daniel in who tells them this very night, the Medes and the Persians will come destroy your kingdom. Like, Oh, I can just imagine like the tension in the room and like, how kind of scary that would be to see like yeah. the hand of God just writing on the wall. And so, I mean, that may not be my answer for the rest of my life, but just right now I was like, that would be insane. Yeah. All right. Well, this is the conclusion of the third episode of Imposing Grandeur Radio. Join us next week when we will be talking about God as sanctifier. See y'all then.